Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. And welcome to White Wine Question Time, the podcast that asks its guests three thought-provoking questions over three glasses of wine. Although this week we're parking the wine because my guest is teetotal. Not that that gets in the way of him running and owning the most famous pub in Britain. In fact, the only pub and the first pub in the world to be awarded two Michelin stars. And such is his love of a good pub, he even stages an annual festival dedicated to them, Pub in the Park, bringing the best publican chefs and live music acts together over the course of two days in some of the UK's finest parks. It's a long way from where he was raised, though, in Gloucester, as one of two children uh, under the guidance of a very hard-working single mum, and his childhood has informed so much of his voracious appetite for work. After graduating from Catering College to work in some of London's best kitchens, working under chefs like the late Gary Rhodes, he now has six restaurants, multiple TV shows and cookbooks, a festival, a podcast, and is one of the most loved and respected chefs in the land. Married to Beth, who proposed to him just six weeks after they met, he's a father to AC, who's seven, and together, alongside Beth, they have worked shoulder to shoulder to build a culinary empire. I've been waiting for a long time to get him on as a guest, and finally, he's here. So let's dial up. Tom Kerridge. Hey, mate. If we run out of time, that seems to take ages. Well, you've done a lot. Well, you stopped doing so much. You do pack it in. You do pack it in. Yeah. But it's all good fun. So, I mean, to be honest, like, I've, I came to the conclusion quite early on that you are you are only here once, right? And it, life is too short. One for wearing a suit and a tie because no one wants to wear a suit and a tie. Why would you ever want to do that? But two, only do things that you want to do. So, and, and I'm quite lucky that 
particularly now as we've worked really hard to get to this point, you get offered loads of things and you get opportunities to do loads of different stuff. So if you just say yes to the fun things, it turns out there's quite a lot of fun things to do. Yeah, exactly. Especially uh, when you say like, you know, you've spent so long working and putting foundations uh, under your business. Then what comes off the back of that is kind of pennies from heaven. And Pub in the Park is a hell of a feat to pull off. I mean, it's not just putting pubs in the park. It's getting the best chefs in the land to attend. And then huge music acts. This year you've got Rag and Bone Man, McFly, Sister Sledge. I mean, yeah, I mean, the list can go on. and it's, it, But it is, do, do you know what, Kate? What I've realised is that as you work and you build a business and it started off just myself and Beth and my best mate behind the bar and, uh, you know, a couple of part-time staff and another couple of guys in the kitchen, that was it. You know, there was very, very little people. And as you build and you keep building a business and as long as you stick to the same ethos and principles and you find like-minded people that come on the journey with you and, and, and they end up being not only um, work colleagues, but friends and part of your life. And, you know, we, we've been, run a business now for 17 years, but with that, we've had so many people that grow with us that have started at the beginning and still with us now. And any bit of success, and I think anybody that will tell you with any business that they do, whether it's a festival, whether it's a pub or a restaurant, whether it's a, no matter what it is, is all about the people around you. It's the team and you can't do, no one can do it on their own. You have to build people that you trust and believe in and they have to singularly believe and trust in you as well. So, you know, it's kind of this network of people that make it all work. I'd love to take, my name is there, <laughs> but I'm only one of like, hundreds and hundreds of people that make it all work yeah but equally when it doesn't work your name is the only one that gets attributed to a huge failure <laughs> yeah but i've learned over time that i've got quite a thick skin so it don't matter listen mate we're both on social media you see the idiots that say daft comments like you've got to take it with a pinch of salt and it i mean like you you do get stick but the reality of it is if you don't take it personally, none of it really matters, does it? No, it doesn't. And, you know, talk to me about pubs, because you and I are from the same corner of the world. I'm from Cheltenham. You're from Gloucester. Um, I'm from the not-so-pretty side of Cheltenham. So everybody assumes straight away that I must have gone to the ladies' college. Not so much. Do you know St Paul's in Cheltenham, Tom? I think, yeah. yeah, I do. Yeah, yeah. that's my yeah, patch, right? Yeah, yeah. So so you and I are from a similar similar background, similar part of the world. What did pub life look like to you growing up compared to the pubs of today and certainly the one you run? Well, very different, but in, just in terms of, I mean, what the, it, very different in terms of food offering, right? <laughs> so it would be, I don't know, Paul, when I, I'd go as a kid, so my dad would take us when we finished school like, and, and go to the pub and me and my brother would run around in a pub car park or in uh, the pub garden that had a really, like, rickety old broken climbing frame and a swing in it and um, and but you and get splinters on yeah <laughs> yeah exactly an old crates of beer that you kick a, one of them plastic footballs that swerve in the wind around like and that was it and then we'd have panda pops and a packet of pork scratchings panda however pops. <laughs> however the, yeah exactly yeah <laughs> you're letting your age out here mate. I know. Uh, 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 80p you meant 80p didn't you yeah sadly not but yeah yeah <laughs> But the the idea of pubs, they're places of communities, they're centres of, um, they're centres of the heart, beating heart and souls, they're fabric that ties people together, they're places where people meet, sometimes people are in there every single day, they become habitual and people are in there and it's where communities meet, mm -hmm. it, it's a place to escape loneliness, it's a place where people catch up, um, but also they are points of special occasion because there's also 
the local pub next to you or the, the posh pub where you might take your nan for Sunday lunch. You know, there's still all those senses of occasion. It doesn't matter on uh, how much money you've got at that point. Those pubs rec are there for everything, you know, the all-you-can-eat carvery. I mean, mm -hmm. that's where you go on a Sunday lunch when it's, it's quite, you know, you, 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 know the, you, you dress up smart for it. You might put on a pair of shoes, who knows? You know, it, those are the sort of places as a childhood that I remember. So pubs are about connecting to people, making sure that people feel comfortable. Where we've built to, the re well, where I'm in pubs, I've gone from um, learning to cook, being a chef, working in top restaurants and hotels, and my my chef trade, the way that I implement what I do, I've then been able to put into the heart and soul and the feeling of a pub. Now, that doesn't mean to say it's cheap and it doesn't mean to because it's not. You know, I'm using the best ingredients. I'm using the finest produce. I'm treating the food and the service and everything that we do as if it is a two mission star restaurant. It's just a two mission star pub. But it's very important to us that that sense of occasion, that community feel, that comfortableness that you get in a pub. When you walk through the door, you see a bar and there's beer pumps there. It's warming. You know it. You recognise it. And it's exactly the same when you come into our pubs. It's about connecting with people. You're right. They really are the hub of the community and they do serve a really important role in society. And that's something you certainly didn't walk away from. In lockdown, you did huge amounts of work feeding um, 80,000 meals for your local community, for key workers, uh, for the pub in the park events, 1,000 free tickets for every show will go to key workers. And then, of course, you partners up with Marcus Rashford. So you're really owning that sense of your place in the community and society as a publican. And I loved that. Yeah, I, you know, I kind of recognise that where I've got to, you know, I'm very lucky. This industry has given me so much. It's given me opportunities to travel the world, meet incredible people, you know. And, and let's be honest, I've, you know, I've earned quite good money out of it. Not just this industry, but the the knock-on effects from it, the television bits and the and the books and things. They they generate a secondary income. The, the, pubs and restaurants don't necessarily make a great deal of money mm -hmm. um they they operate at a profit which is you know small percentages but actually you know i've i've done all right i'm not going to lie you know you can't deny the fact I've, I've done all right out of the industry so when you find yourself in that position the, the least you can do is give back you know we we are you know we work hard we we play hard we're very honest about what we do and if you can connect to people um the, the same backgrounds that you come from and you can make a difference and it's exactly the same as Marcus the reason me and Marcus teamed up is our backgrounds are the same you mentioned it about um single parents you know mum had two jobs it was a case of um we were latchkey kids I would cook stuff from my brother um when I got in Marcus was the same he would just go and play football like those those back, our backgrounds are exactly the same but marcus has an incredible social reach and a, and a wonderful um heart that is really connected into the community and he not for a single minute forgets where he's come from you know he earns great money as a footballer we get that he's got fantastic sponsorship deals you know he, he plays for england let's not you know he's in this position of privilege exactly the same as me through hard work graft and being able to put yourself into that space but this is why you can give something back this is where you can try and connect with people and those full-time meals we've raised enough money actually through the full-time meals campaign um to have fed over eight hundred thousand people um it's connected the videos the people that we got cooking those meals were exceptional you know, uh, we had Louis Tomlinson had over one and a half million views of watching him make a fish finger sandwich. You know, <laughs> just, just, 
just the idea of connecting to people that helps make a difference. It's, it's all been really, really important that when you, I think when, no matter who you are, if your moral compass is in the right place, you work hard, you get to a position where you can try and give something back, you should always be doing that. I mean, when you step back, Tom, you, you come from a family where, you know, money was tight. You put yourself to where you are now. You've acknowledged you've done, you've done well for yourself, right? Well, for where we're from, people didn't, like, I, I never knew what a career was, for example, growing up, because nobody had one, right? I knew about jobs and work, but, you know, that was it. And now you get to this point where you've just explained to me that alongside one of the greatest footballers of, of, of our, our national team, you, who's done all right for himself, has provided food for almost a million people as, as a yeah. charitable act. That's incredible, Tom. It, it's, it, it, I mean, but that, that, do you know what? That, that's down to the magic of social media, right? Because social media Reckon. gets such a hard time, right? You know, people, and we see it all the time, the amount of nightmares that Marcus has, particularly if you see the when they went out of oh. the Euros, Marcus missing a penalty, the amount of horrific, gut-wrenching, disgusting racial abuse. Disgusting, the, the, yeah. Yeah, the the, the the social media can always be seen as a very negative thing, okay? And the way that people's perceptions of how your life should be, your Instagram life versus reality, <laughs> all of those sort of things. Like, we're all guilty of it, you know? Like, however, the, the when, when it comes to connecting and being honest and being real, that, that social reach through Instagram, through full-time meals, through Facebook has been incredible. And that's where social media... It does have a really positive role to play when you can view it like that. You know, it doesn't get, you know, we've connected with all those people and it's done really, really well. But nobody says that's because that's the power of social media. The power of social media is always looked upon quite often when it's a dark thing and it's bad. But when magical things like um, the full time meals campaign happens, mm. that's because, you know, that that is through social media. And it's that community. Is through connecting with people. Yeah. yeah. And then that connects into national press and it connects into podcasts. It connects into yeah. to written media. People talk about it. And all of it is socially driven. And, you know, and it is because, you know, Marcus is also very, very well connected and people are very, very interested in what Marcus is doing. You know, I think from a young campaigner, you know, pushing forward um, policy and process through government, he's, he's just an incredible human being. Isn't he? Yeah. Hugely impressive. As are you. As are you. Now, I've put together three questions for you. Sounds easy. Might not be. Let's see. Are you ready for question number one? I am. If, as long as it isn't like maths and algebra, then we're cool. You're, you're, you're safe with me, Tom. Can you identify your life stages by the food you were eating at the time so that we can track your life via your palate and how it's grown? So I wanted to kick off with what childhood tastes like. And this is a question I put to Daisy May Cooper. So I want to see if there's some correlation in terms of the kind of foods that we were all growing up on in working class Cotswold towns. Yeah, I'm a kid of growing up. I was born early 70s, so grew up into the uh, 80s of, as part and parcel of, I suppose, that childhood. I think before I started realizing like hot meals and things, uh, it was my first proper experience of thinking what um, a different layer of food, where I got excited by food, but it was a Saturday night tea, right? Saturday night tea was always really exciting for me and my brother. And it was always a crusty roll because oh. there were bakers that, in the centre of Gloucester that would do, it was a treat on a Saturday to go in and get fresh rolls from the bakers rather than just rubbishy sliced white bread. And we go, we get fresh crusty rolls and we'd warm them through on the Saturday night and we'd have corned beef from a tin 
and the, and an English mustard on it. Yeah. And it, my brother wouldn't have the English mustard. But for me, and it was watching the Pink Panther. Do you remember the yes. Pink Panther? Part? Like, so it was always that, and it was that level of mustard, right? And I can't remember how old I must have been. I must have been about 1980, so it would have been about seven, right? And it was at that point that I realised that there's much more to food as well. The crusty roll is exciting because fresh bread is amazing. And, the, you know, butter in it is delicious. Corned beef, I mean, that's a standard thing. I think tin corned beef is something standard of some <laughs> kids our age. Yeah, spam the English, as well. English, yeah, corn beef yeah in ours, it was corned beef for the grown-ups on a Saturday family gathering and spam for the kids. And sometimes yeah. we'd have spam chunks in our lunchbox for school. Can you imagine I now? <laughs> I love I, I love a bit of spam. I put, I, there, I put an Instagram post up about a year ago, about Christmas. It might have been last Christmas. I had, honestly, I had a tin of spam in the fridge. It was amazing. But I'd also, I also, because it was Christmas and it was only, there was nobody else there, I bought, because of like, I, I am this like champagne socialist, I had a tin of caviar as well. <laughs> so it was a tin... So it was, a, it was a tin of caviar and a tin of Spam, and Jack Whitehall re- tweeted, responded to the, to the Instagram post, going, oh, it's my favourite tin food. He didn't say which one. But, it's, uh, <laughs> but Spam didn't. was amazing. But yeah, corned beef, go hot roll with corned beef sandwich, corned beef in it and English mustard. And I think that English mustard was the first point as a young kid, because most kids would have been like, oh my God, what's that big, mm. strong flavour? That was to me that there was something quite adult and something quite grown up about food and that was probably my first experience of going all right food is somewhere where we're heading and then obviously i mean it's Finder's crispy pancakes bird's eye potato waffles uh oxtail soup and you know that tinned ravioli oh yeah with that with with the really overcooked pasta and like mincing it that is i mean probably now it turns out it might have been horse the same as Finder's crispy pancake no but but, no one told me that yeah Serious. I lived on chicken and ham or beef. Mate, you got Finder's crispy pancakes uh, with the beef ones. You got, yeah, there was a whole scandal a few years ago, mate. Turns out most of that was horse meat. Oh my God. No wonder I do big long wheeze. (laughs) (laughs) I was raised on Finder's because we were the frozen food generation, right? This is when you could freeze meals. And that was exciting. Like, even our veg was frozen. Everything was frozen. Mixed veg yeah. in a frozen bag. Like, wow, look, look at all those vegetables. That's, I, that's, yeah. That was my introduction to veg. Yeah. It's also, frozen mixed veg is pretty good, actually, because you only need to cook what you need. You only take yeah. out the freezer what you need, which is great. You know? mm. So it's actually, I'm not anti that at all. I mean, we... Didn't know about the horse, we, we, though. Yeah, there you go. Shit. There you are, mate. I know. But, I mean, at the time, it's delicious. Why not? I mean, Why it, not? Yeah. Well, because yeah, exactly. it's a horse. That's why not. But, yeah. Then pot noodles. And then if it's uh-huh. a special, special treat, right, maybe if you could afford it, we might have had Vionetta. Oh, yeah. Like, like it's the, it's the dessert of dreams. Isn't I mean, it still, still is, though? <laughs> yeah, it still is. It's still, still, Viennetta is amazing. Now, I remember some Walls Factory, it was obviously in Gloucester at that time. Yeah. So my mate, when he, he used to work at Walls, so I, when I left school, there wasn't quite the same health and safety. So when I was like 15, 16, we could go in the factory and go meet Neil. And I, I remember watching the Viennetta get made. It was an incredible mm-hmm. thing on this great big kind of conveyor belt, like the ice cream gets squirted in and chocolate. And then like, so yeah, so a Viennetta would, would finish it. So that's the child, that's childhood food. That felt so posh and fancy as well, Viennetta, didn't it? It wasn't a scoop of walls out of the tub. This was something else. You, it was ice cream you cut. I mean, yeah. who, who I mean, knew? It's amazing. Who knew? I mean, it's, uh, it, yeah, it's super, super posh. What about, um, did, did you have broken biscuits in your house? 
Yeah, we did. You know, um, the animals ones, the, yeah. the zoo animals with the chocolate on. Same. Used to be used to be able to buy them broken, but they were always best if you put them in the fridge. So what would happen is if you let them go, here you go, look, mate. If you let the chocolate melt a little bit and then put them in the fridge, then when you take them out, they're like big clumps. So it's not like a biscuit. It's almost like a dessert. Thank you. I love that. Uh, yeah, we, we, had, we, we always had, on a Saturday afternoon, we'd all go around to my nan's, which is like a two up, two down. Like nine grandchildren, all the parents. I mean, like you can't even imagine sardines, human sardines. But we would be given a box of broken biscuits. Um and if we were really, really lucky, there might be some lardy cake. Do you remember lardy cake? Nobody else knows about lardy. You don't know about lardy cake. Lard, lardy cake is the most amazing thing in the world. Like, yeah, no one really knows. Well, actually, we use we do it sometimes for the rooms when they book into the Hand of Flowers. So they get, in, they get in the rooms and there's like little treats. So we do a sticky toffee pudding at the minute when they get in there. But actually, we used to do lardy cake. So it'd be like, you know. Obviously, it's bread covered in sugar and lard and cooked. I, I mean, it, I mean, it's just delicious. I mean, honestly, it's amazing. Lardy cake is just fantastic. Yeah, but no, see, so outside of Gloucestershire, I just don't know if it's a thing. No, it's, I think it's a little bit wider. It's a bit more West Country, but but it is. Yeah, lardy cake is. Yeah, it's, it's something. I mean, I mean, one is not cake. It's a bread dough. And, and anyone who goes there, let's co let's cover it in pig fat and sugar. I mean, it's a, it can only come from a can only come from a county where people chase cheese down a hill. <laughs> yeah. but you know, just the taste of it, I can still remember so vividly. And when I was off sick at school, my dad would walk into town on a Monday because he worked nights to pay the bills, pay the gas bill, pay the electric. I mean, if I was poorly at home, I would get a lardy cake, and it was almost worth being ill for. They were that yeah, skiving, you mean? Almost worth skiving. That's what you mean. Yeah. I was a bit too square for that, sadly. But that cake. And now when you think about it, if you actually thought about what was in that, would you even go anywhere near it? Yeah, 100%. All the time, of course. <laughs> <laughs> Everything within reason, mate. What about Angel Delight? Powdered desserts. Did they feature yeah, in your but, life? But they still do. Honestly, Butterscotch Angel Delight. We still make that now. My little man loves it. It's like, you know, let's make pudding. Yeah, okay. Butterscotch <laughs> Angel Delight is the, is the way forward. What about student food? Because that's when we normally let ourselves down horribly, isn't it? Our student taking care of yourself years. Yeah, I was never a student. So I, even though I went to catering college, I was working full time as well. So I've never been like a, a student as such. I was kind of like working and then I would go almost like a day release into college. Um, so I've never re really lived those student things. I left school. There's that, I left school at 16, and then between 16 and 18, I didn't do very much. I dosed about, and then 18, I went into the kitchen. And th those years of food, they were kind of like discovered. I was still eating the same sort of things, but because I was cooking and working, I learned how to do things like risottos. And so, so budget food, cooking rice is quite easy. I learned how to make pasta sauces very, very simply using pasta water and some anchovies and tomatoes and, you know, those sort of things. So I was quite lucky early on that I, I learned quite quickly how to make things taste nice for not a lot of money, but but only because that was my job. Do you know what I mean? Only because yeah. I was learning. And, 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 you know, so I was I was quite lucky in those early formative years that I, I wasn't living off like beans on toast or just toast. <laughs> Yeah, which is a toast or a potato. Do you remember a late yeah. night programme that used to be on called Get Stuffed? 
Yeah, I do actually. Yeah, it was, that for, was really cool, actually. Yeah, and that was I, I, I. That was probably one of my first cooking shows I really loved, and it was for people that were really pissed or stoned very late at night that had the munches. <laughs> yeah, I mean, brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> so, what yeah. about a palate explosion? So, you go to work in in some serious kitchens, and uh, talk to me about the foods that turned your head, that started your your love affair with the kitchen. To be honest, it, it, the, the love of the kitchen and love of the job and being a chef was, it was really nothing to do with the, the food. It was to do with the, the job. It was to do with the excitement of being in a kitchen. I walked into it when I was um, 18 and I needed a job, but I was washing up. So um, it, it, there was this wonderful level weirdly of excitement and nerves in your stomach there's a sense of anxiety there's a bit of an, a, a adrenaline mm. flowing through the kitchens um are quite often full of like slightly um left field people that uh, come from all sorts of walks of life and different cultures and backgrounds but they're always a little bit the kitchens are very much like pirate ships they're very diverse places they're very um that that there's quite a lot of people that drop out of society in a normal way, people that don't want to live a nine to five, you know, people that enjoy working at a weekend, people who enjoy late nights, you know, people enjoy that, you know, you get adrenaline buzz, it becomes, a, it's a way of life. It's, you know, I always find people that work a nine to five quite often, it's a job to help them exist and pay for something that they want to do at a weekend. Well, I find that a little bizarre that mm. people are going to spend five days of their life doing something to spend two days that they want to do well surely it should be a complete package and the complete package should be a part of doing following your dreams and being a part of something and finding something that y you enjoy doing and it shouldn't it's never about money if you go into the hospitality business it's not about money you do it because you love it you love the late nights you love hard work you love adrenaline you know you love the naughty boys and girls that work in the kitchen you know the 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 the, the sense of achievement that you get like every day the sense of creativity the sense of magic that happens the the frustrations the 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 energy buzzes the you know the tiredness you know the the achy feet and the bad backs and the burns and the flames and the just everything about it, it it's such a um kind of it, it's it's one of those jobs that attacks all of the senses it's very mm -hmm. visceral it's very alive it's very um you, you're always always in it and that's from being a chef but it's also the same for front of house or for working in a bar or the same sort you've got this great energy and you're around quite often you know this is why a lot of people in the industry end up with with all sorts of kind of like mental health addiction problems um whether it's alcohol drugs whether it's you know gambling there's all sorts of what it doesn't pay very well but you're in and amongst life you're living a life if you think most people look towards going out and having fun on a weekend you're the people that's creating that energy, that vibrancy, that fun space, but you're doing it five, six days a week, you know, so you're, you're actually in it, you're around that sort of energy the whole time, so you're always on this up buzz, and then there's kind of a crash at the end of the night, and then you, so that's why most people go out late at night, and people talk about it having a really bad social life, it's the best social life, you know, <laughs> you just know the best bars to go to, the best clubs, the best people, the best restaurants to eat at, the best, and you, you go out, you just start your life differently, it just, it's just different, but it's quite high energy and really good fun. Yeah, and it's, it's kind of like being in a football team, you turn up for service, 
as soon as that whistle blows and the first orders, I mean, off you go. And and it's choreography, isn't it? Because everything has to to work together. Front of house, kitchen, the whole shebang. Yeah, it is very like a professional sports team. You're, you're right, you know, and the people that are very, very good at particularly when you're cooking at top level, mm-hmm. you know, they have certain positions that they play and certain roles that they do. And then as you get older, you, you move very much into management. You're not that person that's at the centre of midfield cooking everything, being that person that's, you know, that beating heart. You have to look at managing all the other people around you. You know, it grows and it moves. It It, it is very similar to professional sport in the terms of, you have to have the same adrenaline. You have to want it as much. You have to drive yourself and push yourself. Um, through point, there is no top chef out there that has not pushed through levels of exhaustion that no, like other people can't imagine. There isn't. You know, every single top chef has pushed themselves beyond. Has done two months straight without a day off and only four hours sleep a night consistently for ten years. You know, there's people that you just drive and drive and drive and drive and drive. But I think that's probably the same in anybody that's at the top of any profession. I can't imagine any top city banker. I can't imagine any top lawyer any top dentist anybody that runs uh i don't know a car showroom a someone who's an architect or a top builder all of these people push and push and push and push and push themselves it's about being the best of the best isn't it i, I look at that and yes you you compete sort of with each other but i think most people compete with themselves yeah i think it's a case of can i do better than this where are mm. my standards it's finding your own standard and if you ever think yeah yeah i'm happy with that that there's if you go yeah that'll do I mean, that's, it's just not the right standard for me. It just doesn't say, yeah, that, that'll do. It's not right. Go, is that the best that I can do? Now, it can be I can better. see even as you say that now, you're really struggling. You're like, no, no, this is not yeah, possible. You know, what are you talking about? I can get that that's the best you can do right now, and that's it. But then you go, okay, I need to be better than that, and how do I make myself better than that at everything? And then there's also, you know, there's certain points where you get to, okay, I can't improve on that, but then... There's certain things within my business. We wouldn't have been able to build this business where it is because I can't I can't be front of house. I mean, I don't know how to deal with people properly in that kind of running a service point of view. I'm very good at talking to the guests and being a host kind of thing. But actually running service, making it work, understanding wines, doing, I can't do that. That's why I employ amazing people to do it. You know, mm. I do, you know, people who run the account or make sure that the business is running correctly. And, you know, I, I need to see the figures. I know that we're doing well, but my job... I, I'm much better suited doing different things than trying to worry yeah. about the accounts all day long. Somebody else deals with that. Absolutely. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. 
PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Which takes me nicely to, to my next question, actually, because it... it it drills into that massive appetite for work that you've got, that appetite for constant betterment. And actually, you're only as good as your team. And your team, your number, yeah, your number two, I suppose, is Beth. And she sacrificed uh, a lot to help you get your business to where it is now. When I say your business, I mean the pair of you, not just yours. Um, she gave up her work as a sculptor to help you get the hand and flowers started. And you've spoken extensively about the sacrifices your mum made as well. And I thought sacrifice was a really important theme across so much of what you've done. So what sacrifices have others made that have helped you to elevate yourself and realise your ambitions? But also, when have you paid that forward and sacrificed a few things yourself to make way for others? Well, it, I don't know. I think it's always, sacrifice is always a matter of balance between what everybody does, isn't it? I think, yeah, you're right. hundred percent mentioning Beth there. She, she gave, um, she stopped, she was, um, she went to the Royal College of Art. She worked for a, a great artist called Sir Anthony Caro, who's one of his chief technicians for eight years, um, and then set up her own studio and carried on. Work. But then when we set up our own business, the idea was so that I could cook and um, she could make uncompromised art. And you go, okay, so it was never, it was never to be uber successful and make loads of money. It was just, I cook, you make art, we'll be happy. That's it. And then as it's grown, Beth putting that infrastructure into the business and helping make it run. And she still is hands-on, kind of in the background with the business, trying to just make sure that the account runs right and help and make kind of bigger clarity business decisions as we move forward. But she's not in the businesses every day now. She is very much, we have, we're very lucky through, through the sacrifice that Beth put at the beginning and belief in me to be able to drive the business forward we now are very lucky with a nice big house with a big studio where beth can work from mm -hmm. with a small little gallery space with her own so you know with process of working towards different shows you know the last one was two years ago there's one towards the end of this year that beth is building towards so she is now completely free making art as she wants to with the materials that she wants to whether it's bronze whether it's marble whether it's whatever it concrete it doesn't matter she she's in that process now of where sacrifices have made continued with belief and self-belief to get to the point where she can now continue mm -hmm. she can but it's being paid back it's great yeah. you know she, she's backed herself she's backed us as a business and that's amazing and everybody does that people who've been on this journey with us from the start you know lord as who's our general manager has been with us for over nearly 15 years now um and she's incredible she came over from argentina she worked with a friend of mine for a couple of years and then came to us and she's grown from being a waitress to the general manager of everything we do in marlow and the sacrifice that you know she hasn't moved anywhere else she's she's put her career into our hands she's believed in us she's believed in um uh, taking time 
to just develop herself personally and professionally. And there is so much that Lourdes could have done. She could have gone into London. She could have gone to many other different restaurants. And the same as the staff that are with us, the head chefs that have been with us for over 10 years, the general, the restaurant managers that have been with us for 10, 12 years. Across the space, we've got so many members of staff that are like that, that have been with us for decades plus. And that's because um, we allow them to grow professionally uh, and personally and that's really important so they sacrifice their kind of time but also we reinvest it in them massively mm -hmm. we try to make sure that they're they're looked after hugely we try to make sure that we have staff parties constantly we try to make sure that people um uh, are paid correctly that people have you know a, a kind of a work-life balance at the same point we demand a huge amount from them in terms of um our levels of expectation of standard and they give that and it it's one of the things that we're proudest about it, and it's kind of a testament to the people around us in the business that we have so many that have been with us for so, 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 so long because they've developed this kind of DNA of the business and how it feels, how it sits. So it doesn't matter which restaurant site you walk into, there is a sense of belonging to a, a much bigger family and that's huge. Yeah, I mean, it really is because retention of staff in your game is is notoriously low because it's transient people move that's how you elevate that's how you get the pay rises so actually the fact that you've been able to do that speaks a lot about you as well as of them i think yeah i think we give them the opportunities to grow you know we first we opened the hand of flowers as one space 17 years ago and it was one one pub and we're now with just six spaces now six restaurants a festival business um an event company um uh, and people that are with us on this journey we're, alongside that there's development chefs and there's pas and there and there's uh, a, um, a hr team and then there's a you know so there's lots of things yes yeah, so, yeah within the group there's around about well there's about 250 people within the six restaurants let alone um when the festival business comes into line in the summer i mean there's just a huge amount of of people and and that's because we just try to create an environment that people can flourish and grow and work mm -hmm. hard and and be themselves and also be treated well you know it, it, it's really important that people can feel that they're allowed to take responsibility for themselves their own personal growth we're not imposing on it i mean when you when you talk about um the sacrifice that beth made and how it's come full circle for her now the fact that you as a couple not just as people in business together, but as a married couple, have been able to enable each other's growth and success. That's not easy, Tom, is it? It's like, you know, it's, it's about like, I'll open the door for you to go in and then, oh, no, it's my turn. Most people really balls that up and, and, and you know, end up not being together. How have you navigated that dance? I think because I'm at work a lot. <laughs> I, I, I think it's probably, you know, the, the, I got, the first year, 18 months, it's always very, very difficult as a husband when we lived above the hand of flowers that's where that was our home that was our house it was also our business place it was where we you know it was a tiny little bedroom upstairs it was it was very claustrophobic it was a it was a you know it was a very difficult space to negotiate and be i'm finding that difference between someone who is the restaurant manager and you're the head chef but it's also husband and wife and there's many yeah. people that still are in that space and it is really hard to to kind of maneuver and negotiate through and understanding each other's feelings at different points it, it it is quite difficult but you you have to be very um I, I, we're very lucky that you found someone who's a soulmate 
at the right time. We've been married, uh, it'll be 22 years this year. And, you, you, you know, we, like every marriage, like there's always nightmares, there's always amazing times. But I yeah. think more importantly, if you're, you're found, deep founded in the same belief, we're very, very different people. But at the same point, we have the same moral compass, the same heartfelt beliefs, the same farm, the same kind. We're, we're very much friends in terms of what we do and how we build together. Um, and a prime example is yesterday. So yesterday, I mean, we, 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 had to have it, we had to have it blocked out in the diary with Alex, my PA, trying to structure the day free. But Beth's business is equally as important to me as this one. So, you know, Beth is now a, a recognized around the world as a, you know, a, she's got a huge piece at the front of the Dubai Opera House. There's a, you know, she won the Global Art Award for Sculpture four years ago. There's a quite a big, you know, that she is recognized. But yesterday was a day. And she is, she's major, right? She's major. She's done so, so well. Yeah, she she's pretty. Yeah, she like she she's pretty good, and she she knows what she's talking. About. She knows what she's doing. I mean, people know me more because my ugly mug gets on the telly, you know. And I've got, but however, in the world of art, I mean, Beth's skill set is you know it's it's Michelin stars. Do you know what I mean? What she does. So yesterday was a day spent on gallery searches and spaces for an upcoming show for October, November, December next year, and going. Okay, so we're working to together of the structure of how we build that business who do we talk to what planning do we put into place where's the pr coming from who we invite into this how much does that studio space cost what's that per square foot so it's it's an equal footing business it's just not heard about as much because best not on the telly oh, and it's also different you know, it's a different business it's a different yeah. world but i love it equally as much so yesterday was a great day of planning what beth does and we we do that together Oh, that's nice to hear. I mean, I think all. I read an article uh, or an interview with her, which I think I'm looking at the quote now. Kind of sums up exactly what you've just said there. She said, "You were both when you first met. We were both impressed by each other's ambition for what we do. He'd never met someone who wanted to be a sculptor as much as I do, and I'd never met anyone who would give their life to cooking so much." Yeah, I, I mean, it, it's so. It, it's very much we still and we're still exactly the same we still no. are both passionate about what we do but we do have slightly parallel lives they run side by side of what we're trying to achieve and what we're trying to do and and most of it is just it's, it's all just bettering yourself every time and just getting better and mm -hmm. you know in some ways we cook and i cook and it's a commercial business as well Bet isn't a commercial business it, like being an artist i think is incredibly difficult because you open up your soul like art has a value, but that isn't anything to do with the artist. The artists don't put value. Like real yeah. artists aren't there for business. They're making art because that's what they want to do. It's not because what the value of it is. The value is created by the noise around it and whoever is the dealer and whatever the gallery yeah. is and whatever. The artist is making the art and all she wants to do is create that and, and be driven to make that. And that, that for me is, I find that incredibly attractive, not just about Beth, but I mean about anybody, anybody mm -hmm. that has a drive and a passion mm -hmm. about something It could be a writer. It could be, it could be somebody who works in television. It could be somebody who is an architect. It could be someone who's a sportsman. You know, when, when you meet people that are so passionate and driven about what they do, there's something so in, in captivating I find about them that you'd never want to impose. I would never want to impose what I do upon Beth and go, right, you know, we're not going to do that and you're not going to do that anymore. You're part of this world. I want to go on Beth's journey. And like, I equally want to go on Beth's journey. And that's like, you know, it's really exciting to be a part of. Yeah. You get, you, you kind of get a bit intoxicated by it. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's massively exciting. I mean, I've very, I've always been a big fan of, 
art. I love, I love art. I love the arts. You know, I love, I love live music. I love people that are creative in many ways and people that, people that don't care what other people think. Do you know what I mean? We're always, always so paranoid about what other people think about us. Well, artists in any form are creating things that is expressive about them. They open their souls up. And mm -hmm. I mean, that's, whether it's a musician who's written a song or whether it's a, you know, you're opening yourself up for somebody to go, what is that? That's rubbish. Do you yeah. know I mean? <laughs> it's just, I mean, I mean, it's so, so brave. So anybody who, who follows their heart and soul and their passion from an artistic sense and is prepared to open it up for other people to look at. I mean, I take my hat off to them. I'm super proud of, of what Beth does. And, you know, it's very brave for anybody that enters into that world. Now, I'm going to stick with Beth for my final question to you today, Tom. You first met... Beth, your now wife, at a mutual friend's birthday party when she asked you to chip in three quid for the stripper. <laughs> that is exactly, that is Beth's first sentence to me. It was Brilliant. Give, it was give me three pounds for the stripper. <laughs> so I wanted to know if you can think of any other unlikely introductions or auspicious first conversations that have gone on to become really meaningful for you. Do you know what? One of them was, um, we're still in contact now and we still, you know, text each other every now and then and have hung out in each other's houses and, you know, is um, a footballer called Andy Carroll. So uh -huh. Andy Carroll at one point was um, played for Liverpool and Newcastle um, and England and he's now at Reading um, and West Ham and, and Andy booked a table um, through his agent on a Saturday night at the bar at the Hand of Flowers, last minute, his agent rang up, we couldn't do it, we don't normally book the bar stalls, but last minute, his agent rang up and said he's coming with Billy, who's his now uh, wife, and it was, um, she was in the only way as Essex, and I got, so we've got this footballer, Premier League footballer, and a girl that's in the only way as Essex, coming to eat at the bar at Hand of Flowers, and you're in, this is where I found myself feeling, um, like I, I'm so disappointed with myself because you just go, you just go, oh God, this is going to be an absolute complete nightmare, isn't it? It's going to be uh, like, this is just, what a nightmare this is going to be. Why? And then, because you just go, like, is it someone in the only way is Essex in a Premier League footballer, they're sitting at the bar, the, the chefs take the food out. You, I'm not imagining someone who's interested in food or someone, I, you're just imagining a football geezer uh, uh, and, a, and a girl with a permatan. Do you know what I mean? Just like this, he says that. And do you know what? I was so embarrassed about myself, my, my preconception. And this is... Um, this goes back to, I suppose, tabloid press and Instagram and that that perception that you have of people from the outside, like book and cover and all of that sort of stuff, mm -hmm. that you just think, yeah, this is what we're going to be. And you could not meet two more dedicated, hardworking, intelligent, brilliant, beautiful people than those two guys. And I was uh, like, within within a minute, I was horrified at my preconception ah. and the way that it would turn. Like, so from Billy's point of view, at that point, they, she hadn't, they hadn't had kids. She was um, running five different yoga schools. She was running uh, the gym. She was out the door at 5 a.m. in the morning. She was at like, and you go, oh my God, this is one of the most hardworking, incredible young people I've ever met. And then from Andy's point of view, one of the most knowledgeable, cultured, food-travelled, um, 
very, very life, wanting to absorb life, you know, wasn't really super interested in football, was interested in food, where it comes from, how mm. it got there, who was the person that did it. When they go on holiday, they want to travel, they want to see things, they want to absorb art, they want to take, and honestly, and it was one of those encounters that you just go, that stuck with me forever as one of those ah. super moments that never ever judge a book by its cover, never have a preconception of someone because it's very, very easy to change. And they are the, two of the loveliest people, like really genuinely two of the loveliest, loveliest people. So those those are kind of you're right. It's first impressions. I mean, obviously Beth made a, a striking impression with the three pound request for the stripper. Yeah. Um, can you think of any others I mean, the along other... the way where where people have made that huge impression on you? Well, yeah. I mean, one <laughs> one that is exactly exactly the same as the person that you imagine they are. I've now met quite a few times, and it's um uh, is is um Liam Gallagher, who's actually did the he did the um the forward at the front of the Hand of Flowers book, which, which was a tweet that he, Did he sent. Yeah, well, it was a tweet that he sent when he came to the Hand of Flowers. I mean, he said, he, you know, we tried booking it. He, he threw a mutual musician friend of ours, wanted to book a table at the Hand, and we couldn't get him in for about six months. And then he eventually got in for a Sunday lunch. He came an hour and a half early um, in his parker. He drank uh, espresso martinis from about 11.30 in the morning all the way through lunch, not once took his parker off, um, got, got, was one hundred percent Liam Gallagher all the time like he was I mean he was amazing I mean it was a brilliant first impression first time he met he said can any chance you could sign a cookbook for us of course any chance you could sign my definitely maybe out my definitely maybe album. <laughs> it was like yeah it, it, just, it was just like you just got to get it like from my point of view like me and Liam was amazing and then we've met quite a few times since at different gigs or he stayed in the hotel or stayed in bits and bobs of us but honestly he, he what an impression he made on me because it another guy that's comes from the same age said you know working class background worked really hard um backed himself constant belief in what he does and still uh, doing it now like yeah. he's amazing he's am and works hard you know and he's very talented you know for me it's the voice of the 90s there isn't you know it meant so much for, for people my age you know you, you remember oasis were huge they were massive and it was also that kind of class system it was that boys doing very mm -hmm. well they work hard prove themselves and then also done care but actually back it up with a skill set and being brilliant so yeah liam amazing the, records the meeting, yeah uh, yeah bangers i mean so many bangers he was married to uh my friend nicole for many many years so i i have had the pleasure yeah. and many, he's never many... not once liam gallagher is he he's just <laughs> no. do you know what tom there was a brilliant i mean we are going back to the 90s now when the met bar was a thing right yeah. and there was this night in the met bar and for whatever i still can't remember why Liam was thrown out of the Met Bar, but he was, right, with his parker on. And so we're like, what's going on? So I'm inside and we're all supposed to be going off somewhere afterwards. So anyway, there's a, there's a, there's a, there's a fight outside with, I think, a photographer, hazy memories. Anyway, ends up on the front page of The Sun the next day and there's me and another girl, Nikki, and we're, we're trying to keep him from whacking this photographer, right? So we're, we're sort of pinning him up against the, uh, to try and restrain him. It was all, it was, ends up on the front pages the next day. So we all, I go back to Nick and Liam's, we stay the night. The next morning, the door goes and Liam goes to answer it. And this is what happened. Hi, Liam. I'm from Blah Blah Newspaper, right? What was that? What was last night all about? Don't know. Well, we heard it was about the bill. He went, 
I thought, watch the bell. <laughs> Shut the door, put it in his face. <laughs> Amazing. That's, that's a total Liam moment where he just, even in the face of such nonsense, just remained entirely himself. But then he came in and he was like, but I do watch fucking Emmerdale. Yeah. <laughs> Brilliant. Yeah, 100%. So that, that's one of those moments where you think, I'm going to meet Liam Gallagher. I wonder if he'll be Liam Gallagher. And he is. Like he's, he's actually Liam Gallagher, like, but on steroids. He's twice the Liam Gallagher you ever think he's going to be. For me, Liam Gallagher should be Prime Minister. I mean, I, I, like, he's one of the great philosophers of our time. He's our, he's, he's my leader. Tom, thanks so much for your time. I wish you nothing but success with every new venture that you bite off because uh, you seem you seem to turn everything into something really quite, like, really incredible. And congratulations on all of the work that you did across lockdown. I mean, 800,000 people get fed and you're sat right at the top table for that to happen. That's That's, that's brilliant. Thanks, mate. I mean, thanks for inviting us on. Thanks for having us. My huge thanks to Tom Kerridge. And if you want to check out uh, Pub in the Park and see if it's coming to a park near you, then head over to their website. It's pubinthepark.uk.com or go to wherever you usually get your tickets. And if you fancy hearing more chat with great chefs, then we've got previous episodes stuffed full of them. Fancy a bit of James Martin? A slice of Simon Rimmer? A serving of Marcus Waring? What about... A bit of Greg Wallace. We've got that and John Tarot and Lisa Faulkner all heaving away in our back catalogue for your listening pleasure. As always, the show is produced by me, Kate Thornton, with Ben Robbins and the Yahoo Studios team. The show is edited by Eleanor Humphrey and our music is from Andy Bell, who has new solo material out now. So do check it out alongside his back catalogue with Ride and Guess Who? Oasis. Should have told Tom that. I'll be back next Friday with another great guest. Until then, take care out there. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.